Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. This is Perizopoulos. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. And today we're going to continue talking about love. So I was reflecting a little bit on what Thich Nhat Hanh offered last episode with compassion, equanimity. I really enjoyed reading that and sharing it and thinking about it and speaking about it. Because I think what he's offering, again, as I hope I conveyed yesterday, is really sort of an encouragement to look at commitment as a positive thing. Right? The idea that we could share our suffering with someone else and that we can be helpful to others in their suffering through loving them, I think is a really good thing to do. Right, That should, I think, resonate with everybody because we all suffer and we should all want to help others. Right, I think what made, among other things, what made the wedding ceremony so nice, once again, was that the priest offered that when he was offering the advice given to him by the elderly couple. The emphasis was on togetherness. The idea of almost a, a sense of oneness, right? Being one thing. I, I would like to think of relationships as I'm me, you're you. Then we come together to make this third thing, like this this us thing that is larger than the both of us. Right? It's bigger than the both of us. And through commitment, we cultivate this love. We take care of it. We give it the attention it deserves. We give each other the attention we deserve. And we can flourish in a relationship, right? And I think, as I said yesterday, it's interesting to sort of think about or divide this notion of the self as individual and the self as someone in a relationship. So I want to talk a little bit about the ancient Greeks today and even just the Greek language in general, because I think in Greek you have different types of love, right? You have eros, which is romantic love, philia, which is like, I think, family, friendship love, agape, which is like sort of like a divine love. So for me, that's a great way to understand the complexity of love. And I think a lot of our reflections on this topic will apply to many different types of love. But the ancient Greek conception of romantic love, or one of them among many others, of course, that I always used to challenge and disagree with, but now I'm revisiting and sort of understanding it in a different way, was the idea that we were all born with four arms and four limbs, then the gods cut us in half, and we're searching our whole lives for our other half. I've never liked that. I've always thought that was sort of encouraging myself and others to portray or not portray, to understand themselves as being incomplete and as being deficient. And that's not a good thing. But what I realized is, as I'm reflecting on today, I'm going to share a little bit from the School of Life, a great book called How to Find Love that I find very interesting. Um, a little bit from them on this. And I think there are actually some truth to that. And I think for me, maybe my immediate or immediate and then sustained disagreement with that was a fear of the idea of being incomplete when really we're all incomplete, right? Which is to say, if there's a way in which you'd like to grow, there's a sense that there's some incompleteness there and that's fine, right? I think for me, and this is as I'm reflecting on it now, kind of a little bit ridiculous because I've always loved the myth of Sisyphus, right? The first time I read that, I was like, oh, this is it. This makes sense. I agree with this. Well, the myth of Sisyphus to me, one of the major implications is like, well, you're never really done until you are, right? Until your life's over, things are incomplete, at least sort of, right? So I think for me, I was interpreting this idea of incompleteness in an overly negative way that might have been a defense mechanism, right? Over the idea that like, I, I want to feel like I'm living in abundance. Well, you could live in abundance and still be incomplete, right? The incompleteness actually gives us something to do. I think maybe weeks ago, even we talked about Pema Chodron, right? Perfection is a kind of death. So, you know, perfection and completeness are kind of similar. And the more I reflect on my own life, the more I realize, like, 
you know, I have been helped in a lot of ways to grow in directions I wanted to grow, but just, you know, I wasn't growing effectively. And I could think of a lot of different types of relationships that have really helped me through that or with that process of, again, up until now, I would deny that I was, quote, incomplete. But this process of being incomplete, being okay with that, and then growing, right? So I think the ancient Greeks, when, when they said, you know, you're looking for your other half and, you know, you're searching for completeness, more to me now when I take a step back implies that love helps us pursue a sense of completeness that otherwise we'd really struggle to achieve by ourselves. I can't remember who said this. It wasn't me, and I'm sorry for not remembering, but it was something like love helps us do things we couldn't do by ourselves, right? And helps us become people we wouldn't have become otherwise without this other person. And again, we could extend it to family, friends, right? These other people. I think that's a really cool idea that works nicely with this notion of interpreting incompleteness in a slightly less dramatic or drastic way, right? And just accepting the idea that we in love have to grow, Tignatan, right? Great quote. I always say this. When love stops to grow, no, when love stops growing, it starts dying. I love that idea because it's motivational. And even and I'm the more I'm saying this, the more I'm kind of angry at myself for not agreeing with the ancient Greeks more easily. Because that's like saying you're incomplete. You need to grow. Love needs to grow. Right? So when we're in love and when we love others, we have to prioritize helping them develop in ways that might be healthy. And then also prioritize allowing them to offer us stuff, offer us care, attention, love, information even, right? That is going to be helpful for our growth in the pursuit of a greater sense of wholeness or completeness. I actually was just having a conversation with my roommate, who's been a very close friend of mine for a very long time, about how he's helped me grow a lot in regards to my ability to just like be in social situations. Um, I was never really like a huge party person. I have a small family. So I feel like when I'm around a lot of people, I just get a little bit like kind of just edgy, I guess would be a way to put it, or I, don't, I just don't want to be there. And he's the opposite of that. And he has helped me tremendously. Even just thinking of how comfortable he is helps me realize, okay, there's nothing here that's like, uh, let's say, there's nothing here that's inherently negative. There doesn't have to be something wrong. Nothing has to go wrong. I actually even, this is this is funny, I challenged one of my family members recently because one of their mantras is like, uh, how do I put it nicely on the podcast? Um, there's always a jerk. Let's put it that way. I'm kind of tempering that a little bit. There's always a jerk, right? Which, to, which implies like whenever you're with other people, and this is what Sartre said too, right? Hell is other people. I think Sartre is a little more general. I actually can agree with that a little bit more to an extent, but I challenged my family member because the idea of always bothered me. I was like, you know, that's kind of a negative thing to believe, right? That there's always going to be someone who's rude. There's always going to be someone who's a pain. There's always going to be somebody causing a problem. That's not something we should carry with us, I think. So my friend has helped me pursue completeness or wholeness in a way where it's like I no longer believe that because as a result of even quite simply him just inviting me out to places frequently enough where I was like, I'm not going to keep saying no. I went and I, you know, I got evidence. I'm like, hey, everything tonight went fine. We're all together for hours at a time and everything was fun. Everybody was cool. I had a good time. So it challenged, and this is, when I say it's a mantra from a family member, I mean, it's one that I heard, I've heard since I was a child, right? So I kind of assimilated it, took it into my way of seeing the world and just believed in it. 
And really, it wasn't up until recently that I really started questioning it, that the conversation I told you about a moment ago, where I challenged this family member happened two days ago, or maybe three days ago. And I was like, you know, that's not really true, right? Like this idea of always is, is actually really problematic because you start to view the world as a place where there's constantly going to be some type of problem. And that's just not true, right? We talked a little bit, I think weeks ago about Murphy's law, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. It's a similar idea. It's not true. It's in a literal sense, untrue. But I had to go out and gather evidence and my friendship really helped me do that. And I no longer have that belief. It comes up here and there. I have to, you know, let's say, uh, how do I put, like, kind of like discuss it or engage with it here or there. But ultimately, you know, it's something I've come to challenge. So this has been a friendship and this is someone who I love as a friend who, you know, he's really helped me and guided me towards the growth that I've needed that's helped me become a better person, a happier person, definitely a less anxious person. So on that note, let's see what the School of Life has to offer. Once again, the book is called How to Find Love. And this is about this idea of completion. I love this idea. The chapter is called An Instinct for Completion. One of the most powerful forces within love is the instinct for completion. All of us are radically incomplete. We lack a range of qualities in our characters, psychological, but also physical. We might be missing calm, creativity, practical know-how, wit, strength, or sensitivity. It is as if somewhere within us, we recognize this incompleteness and experience an attraction whenever we enter the orbit of someone who possesses a complementary quality. Through love, we seek to make good a defect and to complete ourselves. I think this is a great paragraph. And as I said earlier in the episode or in this discussion, right, we need to have conversations like this in school. I think a philosophy classroom is a great place to have this conversation. Once again, we love wisdom and philosophy. Wisdom is what we just offered with this book, How to Find Love. That's a piece of wisdom. It's practical knowledge we could use. Well, think for a minute. How would you like to grow? Think about the people in your world. How are they helping you grow? I think a great exercise for those of us who might be looking for uh, a fulfilling relationship or might be looking for growth in our current relationship, once again, revolves around philosophical meditation and self-writing. Take a moment. How would you like your relationship to be? How would you like to spend time with this other person? What would you like to offer them? What type of growth would you like for them to encourage within you? What are the, you know, he said traits, characteristics, right? What are the traits and characteristics that you think are your strongest for a relationship? What are your weakest? And how would you like this other person that you, um, let's say, would like to meet or the person that you're currently with? How would you like them to, let's say, represent those characteristics? Or how would you like them to maybe not have certain characteristics? What don't you need? I don't need somebody who's intense. That's a bad move. Not the move. I need someone who's more relaxed, right? Someone who prioritizes time with family and friends, right? Because I have a tendency to prioritize that, but I also really prioritize work. I also need someone who prioritizes work to a large extent because they wouldn't really want to spend time with me if they couldn't understand why I like to work a little bit on a Saturday and a Sunday. Right, so these are conversations about completing ourselves, but also completing our lives. Because for me to have a balanced life, I need someone who says, okay, stop, come on, we're going to go to my mother's house. We're going to go to your mother's house, whatever. And that's important, right? This idea of completion too, for me, kind of makes me think of the word balance as well. One of the largest myths around love, I think, or especially, let's say, um, romantic love, is that opposites attract. 
okay, that's, let me be clear. I agree with that, but that really isn't sustainable. Or maybe I should be more specific. Polar opposites attract, but that's not going to work well over the long term. Because when, for example, I talk about prioritizing work, family, and friends, as I said, if I'm, let's say I want a little bit of an extreme, I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I think that's an accurate assessment. If you're on the other end of the, of the extreme and you're not passionate at all about your work or your career, you really dislike the idea of work, you would see me, let's say, making time on a Saturday to research for an hour or something and really be against that. We'd fight over it, right? Um, then that's not going to work. So I think you have to be, let's say, maybe on opposite sides of neutral, but close to each other relatively, right? So it's more about a relative type of balancing each other out in order to have a sustainable relationship. And you're going to influence each other no matter what. Whenever you spend people, I'm sorry, whenever you spend a lot of time with people, I feel it's very difficult for them not to influence you. And ultimately, you want to be around people who you could say, yeah, they are influencing me. I'm aware of it. I'm choosing to be influenced. And those are good influences. These people bring the best out in me in ways that I couldn't bring it out of myself. I think that's a really healthy realization to have about our, you know, all of our love relationships, family, friends, and significant others. So take a minute, right? As we said, as we always say, right? Self-writing. Where, where might you feel a little bit incomplete? And my example for this is I've always struggled, let's say, or that's a strong word, but I've always wanted to be more comfortable at a party, right? My friend Dave helps me do that. And our, our friendship has helped me significantly. So that would be a quality of mine in my character, or let's say in my psychology that I've worked on tremendously because of him. Right. Also, I would say to stick with this, I'm definitely missing a sense of calm. Other people in my life bring me that 100%. Creativity, I feel, like, I feel like I'm pretty good on that. I encourage other people to get creative. Practical know-how, problem for me. Other people help me with it for sure. So take a minute, maybe identify some of these traits. And again, maybe craft a vision of relationships, friendships, Maybe you want to guide them in certain directions. Maybe you're looking for new friends, family relationships, same thing. You want to guide them. Maybe you're single. You want to think about a significant other. I think it makes sense to have some imagination in all love relationships. I think love, to a large extent, in many ways, requires imagination. Me asking you, well, where could you be more complete? That's an imagination exercise. It's an exercise in thinking of ourselves in ways that will encourage us to grow into something different, right? I think similarly... You want to craft, if you're with someone, again, back to the wedding, right? They have an image of their lives together, I'd imagine. They've thought about these things. Well, what it might be like to have kids, what it might be like to have kids or not have kids, right? What it might be like to live over here, over there. How would your career impact the time we spent together and vice versa? These are all exercises in imagination that I think really are important for sustaining and even, let's say, starting healthy relationships. We have those conversations, I think, most consciously or we articulate them most clearly in the context of romantic relationships for whatever reason. And just even stick with that for a moment, right? You definitely need to have that conversation with somebody you're with. If you're on totally different pages about what the future might hold, you have to both sit down with your imaginations and then sit down with each other and really see what you might want to have in life five years from now. I think that's a really healthy and important conversation to have if you want something sustainable and something healthy. And again, even that for me revolves around completeness. For me, my life, this is a bit personal, but whatever. For me, my life would be complete 
with a family. I really am looking forward to being a father and having children. That's important to me. So I conveyed that. Right? We need to convey these things. And again, it revolves around completion of a life, what will make life full, what will make life balanced. And I think it's profoundly philosophical to sit down and lovingly have a conversation with somebody where you ask them about what they would like, how they might want, or let's say, how they might, yeah, I think want's a good word, how they might want you to help them grow and vice versa. And how you might want to grow with them, how they might want to grow with you when you're building a future together. So you know what? The ancient Greeks, kind of right. That's my major conclusion today, and I'm a little bit aggravated myself because for years I've been teaching that that's too dramatic. And as a half Greek, I'm like, you know, my inclination is pretty much always to say, listen, Greeks, calm down, you know? But I actually think it's pretty interesting. We do things with our loved ones, and I'm speaking now about general love, but also about the one person, our significant other, right? Um, we become people as a result of those relationships that we maybe would not have, have become otherwise. And that should be a positive, healthy thing. Hope this is helpful. We might keep talking about love this week. I'm enjoying this. So we'll see how it goes. And again, check out this book, How to Find Love by the School of Life. It's a great book and uh, definitely insightful. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.